today's episode of the Corner Booth, Mulraney and I discuss the NHL restart, the match 2.0, Dak Prescott, and the future of the Cowboys. And then we get into the status of the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Will there be a season? Will there be fans? But first, we have an ad from Quite On Cue. Quite On Cue is a brand new Twitch stream focusing on role-playing games. If you were interested in watching some of the best stories unfold with an entertaining and talented streamer, check out Quite On Cue. For those looking for a more competitive stream, check out his stream on FPS Fridays, where the focus has shifted to first-person shooter games. Cue streams on evenings during the week, usually from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. For a more definite schedule, subscribe on YouTube and follow him on all socials at Quite On Cue. Q-U-I-T-E-O-N-Q. And be sure to check out his stream at twitch.tv slash Quite On Cue. That's quite like right on cue. All right, let's roll. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 19 of The Corner Booth presented by Procrastination Sports. Mulraney and I here still in quarantine, still bringing you the content, but things are starting to look up a little bit in the sports world. We've been pumping out content without sports look out for what we're going to be able to do with sports. Michael, what's up? I'm feeling good. Um, I'm glad that we're charging both toward pro sports and the opening of barbershops. You were able to get a fresh cut today. I am in a Bieber stage. You are. Like ludicrous Bieber baby (laughs) stage here with the hair. I desperately need to cut him a week and a half away. So (laughs) that's where we're at. Precipice of sports, precipice of looking like an adult again. I'm all excited. Dude, you do look like Beauty and the Beat, uh, Bieber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on. Oh, yeah. I like it, though. <laughs> I like it, though. And you're starting to get the like little bang drop, maybe a little Flock of Seagull, 1980s reference. Not oh, bad yeah. there. That's strong. That's going to go over well with our older viewers. I'm sure it will. <laughs> uh, my hair was out of control. It felt good to go and get the haircut. Let me tell you, I went to Sports Clips. I signed in. Um, they said it would be a two-hour... Uh, until my appointment, so I showered, did a little work. This was yesterday, Memorial Day, I went. Um, So I showered, did a little work. Um, Lauren and I uh, decided that we would go to the grocery store, kill some time, so we go do that, get to the appointment. I get there, she said, oh, it's actually going to be another two hours. We're behind schedule. So I waited, did a little bit more uh, wandering around, went to uh, Walmart, Target. I hate Walmart. Um, Went back. You have to sanitize your hands before you go in. They don't allow anyone into the building other than the people getting the haircuts. So you sanitize the hands. You sanitize your hands again when you sit down. Uh, they can't trim your beard or do your eyebrows, only the haircut. So they did that. Uh, they make you take off the smock, drop it off in the bin. No touching with the payments. You got to do everything via card, no cash, everything with the card. Uh, you sanitize your hands before you do that, and then you head out. So. It was a process, uh, but it worked out well. That's good. That's a little preview into the future for those of us who aren't as far along in the phases as your state is. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Something for everyone to look out for. You're not going to be able to get a hot shave, and we're probably going to have to have throwaway smocks. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to end up happening. But it'll be so. What do you guys got? Two and a half weeks? We are one, from the time this airs tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll be one week away from barbershops here 
if we continue to meet all of the criteria. ICU bed availability, cases, deaths, all of that. So next Wednesday, the, oh, it changes months, so I'll never get this right. I'm bad at calendar math. The, the 10th, I presume, the 3rd, whatever it could be. Jan Levinson, um, I presume. <laughs> but that's, that's when it will be. I am assuming everybody on the planet is going to rush into the barbershop like your state did. So we'll see when and if I can get in. But my barbershop is cash only. So I wonder if we're going to have to switch to some Venmo action or what. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I love dealing in cash. So when I still see places rocking cash, that's the best. Um, All right, let's get into it, Mike. Where do you want to start? Uh, You want to start with the NHL announcement that just dropped? You can tell the people what's going on there quick. Yeah, uh, so we had our first big four sports announcement. We've had some NASCAR, some golf we'll get into, uh, international soccer, Bundesliga is out there playing with no fans, with uh, noise pumped in through the broadcasts. But we, the NHL, Commissioner Gary Bettman, long-standing worst commissioner in pro sports, probably second now to Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball. But today, Bettman went on to the NHL's YouTube account. Not Facebook or Twitter, but we're rocking with YouTube live here. That's what the NHL is. He made the announcement that as of today, the regular season of the NHL is finished. They're done with the regular season. For the first time ever, there will be 24 teams in the playoffs. Top 12 based on percentages, not points. So whatever their winning percentages have been, those are the top 12 teams from each conference. They're going to reseed that way. The entire season will, the entire playoffs will be played in two hubs on each coast. So the Eastern Conference will play in one hub. The Western Conference will play in another hub. And the entire playoffs will take place there. Those cities are yet to be determined. My guess is the NHL is going to milk this for all it's worth, have a whole day that they own every single day, every single week or month, determining where these sites are going to be with hotels, public transport, stadium availability. Teams will be able to travel with 50 personnel. I believe the average NHL roster is a 25-man roster, so they'll be able to bring trainers, your uh, the guys who sharpen the skates, the coaching staff, all of that's going to be able to travel with them. The season will start no later than July 1st, we've heard. That's when training camp is slated to start. They're looking at the middle of July. Um, some of this may be done earlier, as we've seen several states are starting to open up. The NBA has several teams working in their facilities now. We'll see when that happens. But the final seven teams not in the playoffs will be immediately entered into the NFL draft lottery, which that information is coming forth today. Bettman's press conference is still ongoing. We wanted to get the playoffs news to you. So the top 24 teams, 12 in each, that's the playoffs. The regular season voting for awards and regular season record book is closed. That's where we're at, as per Commissioner Gary Bettman today. All right, 
right, so I'm pulling it up right now. I'm trying to let everyone know. Okay, because i got to pause it. All right, here we go. So City 1, the East Coast City, will have the – and I'm going to go in order of where they're ranked in the conference. So we have the Bruins, the Lightning, the Capitals, Flyers, Penguins, Hurricanes, Islanders, Maple Leafs, Blue Jackets, Panthers, Rangers, Canadians. All right. So that's the East Coast. I think they are going – the East Coast city is going to have to be Florida, right? I'm assuming that that's where they're going to play. Well, the NBA is playing their games in the Disney – the Wild World of Sports Disney Resort. So that's pretty much set in stone from what I understand where the NBA is. We're going to get in that later. But it almost has to be Florida. The only other place I was thinking of would be Madison Square Garden. One, because something good would happen to James Dolan, and that's been his whole life. Right. Even though he's a reprehensible owner. Um, he's but a rat. But that's still the COVID hotspot of the United States. Yeah. I don't think they'll do it in New York. Yeah. One of the things I'm interested in here with the two Canadian teams in the Eastern Conference sneaking in is that they're going to have to allow travel between the two countries again. Because right now, non-essential personnel cannot travel through the Canadian border in New York. So Another, another thing Bettman said, too, was that they were going to have hotels strictly for the teams. Yeah. So you would think that they're going to need a place that has a decent amount of hotel selections because they're going to have to rent out. Or maybe they're just going to do one hotel and rent out the entire hotel. which And then as you lose, you leave. That's probably what they'll end up doing. Like Survivor. Uh, yeah, Survivor <laughs> NHL edition. I think Florida makes the most sense because they have pretty much reopened everything yeah. in Florida. Uh, let's transition to the West Coast where we have or the Western Conference, not the West Coast. St. Louis Blues, Avalanche, Vegas, the Stars, the Oilers, the Predators, the Canucks, the Flames. We got a lot of Canadian teams in this one. The Jets, the Wild, uh, what is Arizona? The Coyotes, yeah. and the Blackhawks. Um, man, I think that this is a tough one. I think Vegas, maybe. My guess would be either Vegas or maybe Arizona. Arizona makes sense, I think, too. Phoenix, I think, might be a destination. Vegas, I don't know if the league would be comfortable having everybody in Vegas with that much downtime in what I'm assuming they're going to do casino hotels because that's all there is there. They'd have to, yeah. So then that might be tricky just in the sense that any sporting event taking place in Vegas can't appear on the board. So... All of the casinos would have to be comfortable with not taking any action at all in the entire Western Conference playoffs. So if I didn't, I, I didn't know that. So if a game's being played in Vegas, they can't bet on it. No UNLV games are on the board. The uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, their games don't appear on the board. Even if they're on the road, or just when they're at home. I believe, I believe it's even if they're on the road, can't be on mm-hmm. the the Vegas boards. Just uh, because of the potential to have yeah. insider trading or whatever you want to yeah. call it going on. So, um, that makes sense. So my, um, my guess would be if it is in Las Vegas, they'd have to take the whole playoffs off the board. And sports books are dying. 
because people are just betting on Korean baseball and the match. Yeah, no, they're not going to do that. Um, so they'll have to come up with, I think Arizona's maybe the move there. That's in Phoenix, so they have a lot of hotels to choose from, a nice hotel to rent out. So the way this works is that there'll be round-robin seating for the top four teams. So in the East, you got Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia. Yeah. And uh, in the, I'm trying to do this. Let's see, where's the West? The West is going to be the Blues, the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Stars. They'll be doing uh, the the round robin. Then you, everything else is a best of five qualifying round to get into the next phase of the tournament or playoffs. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think they have to do these in states that are somewhat open, but by the time they're talking about doing this, yeah. if they had to make this decision now, it would probably be Arizona, Florida. But they're saying that this won't start until July, so if that's the case, more of these cities might start opening up, and then you have another opportunity to try to make as much money as you can around this. Yeah. Even a state like New York, which has been by far the most I don't want to say restrictive because it has a negative connotation, but the state that's kind of slow rolling, opening back up the most, if everything lines up, even in July, mid-July when the playoffs would be played, New York could theoretically be in phase four where most things would be have opened up by that. And so, I mean, if, if the New York officials deem it okay for them to go there, they're definitely going to do it in New York. You want to do it in your biggest city where you can yeah. promote it. Um, I think this is a great move by the NHL. Getting out in front of it saying we will have a season, we will crown a 2020 champion, we are not going to let the record books die. I think this is a great job by the NFL and this is what we were talking about. I think you mentioned this a couple episodes ago that we're waiting for the first domino to fall so yeah. then the other three leagues can decide. By the NHL doing this, I don't think there's ever been a doubt that the NFL will not be played. The NFL will play in the fall um, because of how much money is tied up with their TV deal. They will never yeah. lose that type of money. The networks don't want to lose that money. And they will take every precaution necessary to make sure that the NFL season happens, whether they have to you know, change locations or do whatever. They're going to get those teams on the field. Yeah. Um, baseball is the one that has been iffy. Um, there has been talk now that the owners and the players will do a 50-50 revenue split. They have to do this. Baseball will not survive not being played for 18 months. Blake Snell is a moron and needs to shut up with his takes about how they shouldn't be playing because of the money. Give me a break. Get out there and play for a few months. Give the fans what they want. Give the fans something. Jumpstart the economy. Have this come and actually give us something to watch. And baseball will be watched and make some money just due to the fact that this will feel like a sense of normalcy and the economy might get back going. Not to get too into the economics of things, but cities start to open up. They open up the stock market today. The Dow's is up 600 points. If sports starts coming back, you'll see the economy come back. I think it's just basic economics. Yeah, I... I think here the NHL being the first sport out is one good because the NHL is the littlest of the little brothers in terms of the big four sports. It doesn't have nearly the fandom it had 15 years ago when they first went on strike and lost the whole season. 
So the NHL getting out there saying, hey, we're looking at July. We've heard rumors that baseball was looking at a July 4th start. We've heard rumors of the NBA might be looking sometime in July. Adam Silver saying two to four weeks to figure this out. So the NHL coming out there and saying, this is it. We have a plan. We have a structure. Is so good for them. But it's also great for sports fans because now we have a concrete date of what to look forward to. June is going to take forever because we're not going to have any sports and we're going to be on the precipice of sports. But we're here. We did it. We survived. These leagues, do us a favor and just come back July 4th. Give the people what they want. 4th of July July is spectacular. Yeah. July 4th is on a Saturday this year. Everybody's going to get Friday off because that'll be the observed holiday. Give us, please, a start on July 3rd. Just open up everything. Hockey playoffs, MLB regular season. Let's just do it. On July 4th weekend, please, dear God, give us this. To have that type of fun with everybody involved. You're hanging out with your friends. It's July 4th weekend. Um, Just give us the sports. I don't know what your plans are for July 4th, but um, I I meant to text you earlier. if you want to come down here, if you can travel down here for July 4th, the door's open. We're doing a little July 2 to 5 party, so oh, wow. keep that on your calendar if you want to come down. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- we could do a live podcast. That'd be fun. Absolutely. And that weekend, if everybody, if most people are off on that Friday and these leagues open back up and they're talking about playing this summer league style where mm-hmm. games start at noon or 11 a.m. and they oh, go all day. It'll be it'll be heaven on earth. Oh yeah, we could be. We would never have to watch a single commercial. Mm-mm. I might have to pack my televisions so we can have everything on at the same time. So I got the seventy inch up in the man cave. We'll have that going. We got the smaller television downstairs. We could have that going. We could set up both. All, I've we got. I've got two of my laptops. We could set up your laptop. We could just have. Sports all over the place. And really, this will be the official return back to sports gambling. Because what we're doing right now with, like, Bundesliga and, you know, the match, that's all just BS. It's just trying to get people to get through it. But if we could get hockey playoffs and baseball all back together, uh, look out. Oh, yeah. The only the only good bet of the entire match, too, point oh, was Barkley betting $50,000 if Tom Brady could get on the green, and he was in the woods. Speaking of the match, I can beat Tom Brady in golf, and I wrote a blog about it, and I I mentioned your great coverage live during the match. Um, I can beat Tom Brady in golf. There's no doubt about it. And for people saying that he's playing at an eight handicap, I don't know what world they're living in because there's no way he's an eight handicap from the way he played. Yes, he hit some good shots. He made some good putts, but eight handicaps don't play that well. That way, I know they're on national TV, nervous, and I understand that. I'd probably be chunking shots too. But if you're an eight handicap and you're a pro athlete, I think you're a little better than that. I don't think he's an eight handicap. I love Tom. You know, I'm a huge Tom yeah. guy. But come on, guys. I think the worst thing. Well, Tom played better than he probably actually plays. His short game. Right, he had yes. Phil Mickelson standing right there saying, "If you hit the outskirts of this hill, it'll roll back. If you get to the top of this, it'll roll the rest of the way." 
Japan, they were yeah. playing, you know, gimmies. So mm. Brady didn't have to make most of those putts. He had to get it close. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the fun part about match play. I'll tell you, man, you know I golf every weekend. I was out there this weekend. I was talking with the guy that I play with. We play together every weekend, this older guy, uh, also from New York. Um, funny story, we had three Italians, uh, me, and then we had a guy, Canigliero and Esposito, all together playing on Memorial Day. So that was nice, a little Italian connection out there on the course. Um, but anywho, he was saying to me, and I agree with him, Listening to Phil Mickelson describe his short game was the best part about the match. When he was yeah. telling people like, or when he was telling Brady, he's like, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit this little, uh, this little lob wedge into the the part of the uh, the grass with the grain going this way, so it'll stop and then go quick and then stop again." And he did exactly just that. My mind was, I was yeah. like, "Wow, that's amazing!" To be able to describe that and then do it. The level of his precision with his short game has always been talked about, but to hear him talk about it and then do it live like that, incredible. It was it was so surreal to hear Phil talk about this stuff because you didn't really get it with Tiger. You got you got a lot of it with Phil of you know, I, like you're saying, I'll hit this, it'll spin, it'll stop. Tom, if you go this way and that way with the putt, it'll come back. All of that stuff was incredible from Phil's standpoint. You really get the idea of why Phil can still kind of compete as he gets older because he understands everything surrounding golf so well. He's like a pitcher who gets into his 40s, who goes at 88 instead of 97 now, but he's on the corners, he's down the way, he's changing eye levels. He's like, he's like Maddox or Glavin at the end. But, like, here's another thing, man. If you're a Tiger fan, I think you're pretty excited what you saw from Tiger. Granted, it's his home course, so he knows it better than anybody. But he was pounding fairways. I mean, yeah. I don't think he missed a fairway With all day. driver. Yeah, he was pounding driver. Um, not to mention, uh, for those guys, you know, this was all fun for us to watch. But... For those guys to raise twenty million dollars for oh, yeah. for what's for what's going on right now is awesome. Um, they could have said, "Hey, we're just going to take the sponsors' money because they're going to give it to us because this is a good cause and we're not going to play in this downpour." But they went out there, they did the right thing. They played eighteen holes in the downpouring rain. It was good to see, man. I mean, guys making that much money throughout their career don't really need to do what they did. They could have said, hey, we're going to try to play tomorrow, Memorial Day, we're going to reschedule. But no, they went out there in the pouring rain. They gave people a show. I thought it was entertaining. I I don't understand the people saying like, oh, it wasn't that good. Like, like what do you expect the trash talk to be between, yeah, they're all four great competitors, but they're all to a point in their life where they're all, like Mickelson and Tiger have a relationship of, of like, being cordial now with each other. Yes, they yeah. used to be bitter rivals, but now they're like friends. Yeah. Kind of a magic and bird type situation. And the same thing with Peyton and Brady. Yeah, they, they had some of the best AFC battles of our lifetime, but they both re- they both realize how good the other one are and they're, and they're friendly with each other. So you're going to get friendly trash talk and you're yeah. going to get a couple laughs and you're going to get cool insight into what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, for people to say it wasn't enjoyable, I think are crazy. We haven't had anything in months. Yeah. So to put that on TV, I thought it was good. I loved it. I thought it was very enjoyable. I watched the whole thing. All It was probably close to five hours because of the 50-minute rain delay. But 
I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I liked Peyton and Brady's kind of trash talk in the beginning. Also, you know, they couldn't be within six feet of one another. So there wasn't going to be as much trash talk as you would have thought. There was a lot of joking around early about Brady, who I think lost a dozen golf balls in the first eight holes, which what a nightmare that is to one. You feel poorly when you play bad and like a foursome of your friends because you're slowing people down. You're getting in your head. Imagine playing like that in front of two of the top four golfers of all time. And millions of people watching on television. Because there's nothing else on. And everybody's it's not just, just your going, three shitbag friends, you know? Yeah. It's like millions of people. And granted with Peyton, Peyton played a lot better over the first eight holes, but you could tell early on Peyton and Brady were both, I believe, out of bounds on the first tee yeah, shot. Early, yeah. So you could tell they both kind of took a drop. Uh, Tiger was the course official, teaching those guys how to take drops from out of bounds. Um Barkley betting Brady 50 grand if he could get on the green on a par three and he was on the cart path was hysterical. Um, Brooks Kepka. Thomas calling Chuck a fat ass was great. Yes. Saying, I would so love I to see your fat ass dunk a basketball. Thomas. What? Yeah. I did a complete 180 on Justin Thomas. I didn't like him before this, but he yeah. seemed very normal and I thought he was pretty funny during the coverage. Yeah. Uh, Standing I think up. they should just let Chuck do coverage all the time, too, by the way. He's great. I love that Charles brought the same level of analysis to this golf match as he does to the NCAA tournament, where CBS and TNT put him out every year, and it's apparent he has not watched a single second of college basketball, but he's talking about guys who graduated like three years ago, and it's hysterical. He brought the same thing to golf. They were like, what do you expect? I don't bet against Tom Brady. Good analysis, Chuck. Run it back. Charles Barkley, to me, in our lifetime, is the best analyst we've ever had. Because when you, when guys like us and guys listening to this podcast, or, or ladies for that matter, are sitting at home watching sports, we don't really care to hear the Mel Kuypers of the world or you know these, these guys that just bloviate, like Mark Teixeira with baseball or people like that. We don't really care about the inside outs of what's going on. We want to be entertained. And Charles... Kenny, Shaq, Ernie, that's what they give us all the time on on the NBA on TNT. And when Charles is able to bring that to something like golf, which a lot of people find boring, even if it is the top four guys, uh, two guys in football, top of their game, two guys in golf, top of their game, we want to be entertained. And that's what Charles does every time. That's why he's the best. He's hilarious. Yeah. You could put him in any situation and he'll be must-watch TV. The golf, I thought, was pretty good. Once Brady got going on the turn, the it, not a not best ball, but a alternating shot, they played a lot better. And I think I think they should have done alternating shots. Your point the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I thought that as soon as we got to the tenth hole, and there was a moment on the fairway where Brady and Mickelson were talking strategy about what to do with this next shot. Um, I felt like that's the way it should have been the whole time. I think it made it more exciting. I thought the back nine was far more exciting. I thought it put more pressure on the amateurs to make shots. Yeah. Um, and I think that if they did the modified alternating shot the entire 18 holes, um, it would have been good. The only downside is you don't get to see Phil and Tiger make as many shots. 
but you would have got to see him tee off on every hole, which would have been fine. Um, I think they should have done the alternating shot the entire time. That would be my one gripe about the match. But they were out there playing in horrible conditions, so you can't get on them for playing poorly uh, as much as I think it was fun to make fun of Brady for playing poorly because, wow, that was ugly. But um, People were roasting him online. Yeah, and that's just going to motivate him even more to be good in football. So now the Buccaneers are probably now I want to bet the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl even more than I did before this because he's just going to be pissed off that people were making fun of him, and now he's going to stick it in everyone's ass. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, um, OJ Howard, all those guys went up six or seven ADPs on your fantasy board. Yeah, on Monday, for sure. Sunday, for sure, and. You know, he Mike Evans like, might have 2,000 yards in well. And he says, you know, I'm tr- he got serious with Barkley and was like, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, okay, now everyone's in trouble. Billy Madison, you're, now you're all in big trouble. On uh, that hole that he holds out on the iron from the fairway, Chuck was in his ear the whole time saying, how many shots you want me to give you? And Barkley yeah, is like okay. the worst golfer of all time. I mean, he's Barkley's got, swing looked way better in that bogey challenge. Yeah. Apparently he had some training. He looked pretty good. Better than he normally does. Yeah. I read that Barkley was a scratch golfer or was very close. And then uh, he got too much advice. And that's why he had to hitch. Because he was trying to yeah. keep track of everything. And he became like a laughing stock now from being like able to play with Michael Jordan. Which now I don't so, think... Mike would never go out there for seven hours with Barkley now. No, and they don't like each other anymore, which is wild. They used to be best friends or very good friends, and they've been trying to repair that relationship, I guess. Uh, After Barkley said he sucked as an owner. Yeah, and Ahmad Rashad's trying to repair that relationship, I guess. Um, I will say, when it comes to golf, I do tend to get technical sometimes with golf and try to improve myself by reading, but I truly believe you have to just swing your own swing. Like, just find a way where you can square up the golf ball as best as possible and just do that. I mean, look at Jim Furyk's swing. Look at John Daly's swing. Uh, look at Phil's swing. They're all very unorthodox and wouldn't be something yeah. that you would put into, like, this is how you're supposed to swing a golf club. So, yeah. hackers out there, swing your swing. Uh, all right, let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh before, wow, we've we've done a good amount of show already. Like we're just cruising yeah. along here, brother. Uh, we have to talk about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. This this has been a story even during quarantine, where there isn't much sport going on. He is just going. He got franchise tagged by the Cowboys, and he turned down a giant offer from them. What was it like, a hundred and sixty million or something like that? I believe um, so. Can you do some Francesa research while yeah. we while I? bloviate a little bit so he pretty much turned down the offer from jerry jones um and i am not convinced that they aren't going to trade him before the season starts and it'll be some type of sign and trade with another team because i don't think you can name to me too often where a nine-year nfl veteran like andy dalton doesn't get a second stint as a starter somewhere he signs a contract and goes to a perennial contender. Well, they claim to be a contender. I hate the Cowboys, as everyone knows. Like the Dallas Cowboys. I think there is something in the works there that Jerry Jones wants to turn the keys of the car over to Andy Dalton. He's a hometown guy. Come back home, play for the Cowboys. I think there's something going on there. I don't think we are done with the Dak 
slash cowboy slash Jerry Jones drama. Um, I'd be interested to see what you think about this. Five years, one seventy five was the dad ah. deal. Five years, one seventy five. What was guaranteed? Because that's really the bread and butter. Do we know what was guaranteed? Because in football, if it's not guaranteed, then it doesn't really matter. It's all just window dressing. Because uh, from what I, if he's getting like fifth, like if he's getting like seventy five percent, sixty percent of that guaranteed somewhere in there, how do you say no to that? One hundred and seventy five million. Prescott wants the last year of his deal to be in excess of forty five million dollars. So what'd you say it was? One seventy five over six. Forget about the guaranteed. Yeah, one seventy five over six. Over five. One seventy five over five. Uh, the cow, the Cowboys aren't offering at least seventy million guarantee in the next two years. So, so what's that? Quick math. That's thirty-five million a year. Yeah, they wanted to give him, and he says no to that. So, I mean, Dalton is a serviceable quarterback. I mean, those offenses in Cincinnati never lit the world on fire. But I mean, two years ago, we were talking about guys like Keenum and Foles. And uh, I'm trying Those to think of the other, the other no-thrills quarterback who made the playoffs that year. Bortles, uh, um, yeah, Alex Bortles. Smith. We were talking about yeah. guys like that building a team around a serviceable middle-range quarterback like Dalton is. Yeah. And Dak had a bigger year after they made the Amari Cooper trade. Um, Amari just got paid. But I don't know... I'm surprised we haven't talked about this Dak thing. It's been simmering under the radar for a little bit, but I think 35 million might even be overpaying him. Um, because his job is mainly to turn around and give it to Ezekiel Elliott. So is he going to well, throw don't get it? Don't be wrong. I mean, he's got a good record as a starting quarterback. He's 40 and 24. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, his first year was great. Uh, where he was, uh, he went thirteen and three. Um, he's, but I mean, I don't know. So last year he threw for thirty touchdowns and eleven interceptions, right? Yeah. Be- before that, he had twenty-two, twenty-two, and twenty-three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that's okay. He's uh, he's not averaging 25 touchdowns a year. And if you're going to be a guy that gets paid, like he wants to get paid, shouldn't you be averaging 25 throwing touchdowns a year? Uh, I mean, he's averaging about 30, about, he's averaging about 4,000 yards a year throwing the ball. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think he's good. I think he deserves to get a contract because his completion percentage is always over 65, around 65%. Um, his QB rating at lifetime, 97. Yeah. I mean, he's good, I think. But I, I just don't know if he's worth what he wants to get paid. Is he worth $40 million a year? There's no argument in the world where you can tell me he's worth $40 million a year at all. The... The team that's really waiting for this is Kansas City. Because coming whatever the DAC deal is, Mahomes is going to make $10, $15 million more than him. Well, Mahomes is worth it to me. Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. He's, he's what, 24 fucking years old? Yeah. 
Sorry for the F-bomb, folks. I got a little fired up there, I guess. But 24 years old, he's won a Super Bowl already, and he's phenomenal. I mean, when you win a Super Bowl by the time you're 24, a perennial MVP candidate every year, you deserve whatever. The Chiefs should mortgage their future to give Dak Prescott or to give uh, Patrick Mahomes $40 million a year. To me, that's not even a question. If that's what Mahomes wants, that's what he should get. Yeah. But Dak Prescott, to me, you can't be coming out asking for $40 million when you really haven't proved anything yet. I, I, yeah. I mean, he's 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 one and two in the postseason. He's been there two out of four years. Uh, I don't know. What do you, uh, he's not worth it to me. I just don't understand it. From what I've seen previously, he's to get a ton of money but shorten the contract so he can hit one more because Prescott I think is 27 so a five-year deal he'd be 32 you start looking at the tail end of the prime so if he's looking for a three-year deal he can get out of 30 and cash out again so I don't know what's going on there if he's negotiating in good faith because 35 million dollars a year that's got to be tough to turn Jerry away at Mike, let me talk to you about something here, okay? And you know how big of an Eli guy I am, right? Yeah. But how much crap Eli got over his career. What would we have said if at Eli's age 27 season, he asked for $40 million a year? What do you think people would have said? I think people would have been incredulous about it. So by the time Eli was 27, he was a starter in the league for four and a half years, yeah. okay? For those four years where he was the full-time starter starting in 2005, he made the playoffs in 05, 06, 07, and 08. He was a pro bowler in 2008. He won a Super Bowl in 2007. And Eli's passing numbers um, were comparable to Prescott. Uh, Eli threw 24, 24, 23, and 21 touchdown passes from 5, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, he had a QB rating 93, 86, 73, and 77, so a little, you know, that's a little bit below Prescott's. He was right around the 60% completion rating, and he threw for the same amount of yards in the 3,300, 3,700 area as Dak Prescott. Um, so I think we need to start looking at to what Prescott's stats really mean. Is he a good quarterback? Is he a top 20 quarterback in the league? Yeah. Um, is he a top 15 quarterback in the league? Probably. But I don't think he's shown you enough to give that type of money. And the biggest thing with football is when you, we've seen it with Russell Wilson when you put that much money into your quarterback, there's not much more money to go around and your team suffers. Wilson, that's why Russell Wilson is so good. He gets paid a ton of money, but for the last few years, he's had a run for his life with no offensive line help, not much skill player help. That defense started to get older. They had to get rid of a lot of those guys. You know, when you're putting that much money into your quarterback, it's tough, it's tough to sustain success. That's why the Patriots were so good for so long because Brady was willing to pay, take a pay cut and they were willing to give guys money that Brady should have been getting uh, because he was 
able to take a pay cut. If you're paying your quarterback $40 million, it's going to be tough to maneuver. When it's a guy like Mahomes, you have to do it because you can't lose him. But you can't tell me that Prescott is in even close to that same category where he should be getting that type of money. Go win a Super Bowl. Go have some sustained success in the playoffs. Go to the playoffs consecutive years. He hasn't done that yet. I, I can't see, you know, I hate the Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys would be very um, short-sighted and very misguided if they gave Prescott that type of money. I think they're doing the right thing with Prescott. Until he starts coming down to a reasonable price, I don't think they should give him that money. Yeah, with Dak Prescott right now, you're seeing a quarterback who exploded for 13 wins, dropped back down to a 500 guy, got up around 13 wins again, right back down to 500. You start to wonder, could you keep that world-class offensive line if you paid Prescott? What would he look like without that offensive line? What would Ezekiel Elliott look like after you paid Ezekiel Elliott all that money? You just paid Amari Cooper a ton of money. Are they going to be able to continue to string along a 500 defense Mm -hmm. with a deteriorating offensive line? Could you end up paying $50 million between Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, $70 million between them and Amari Cooper for a team that can win five or six games? So two years down the road. So now he really has to blow up on a weakened NFC East and really try to make this money worth it. Because if they can't win 11 games this year in a year where the giants need to take a step forward with a new head coach, they have to learn a whole new system. Rivera's there, a whole new system. We aren't sure about Carson Wentz and his weak knees in Philadelphia. Are they going to go to Jalen Hurts? Are they going to do the college two quarterbacks thing where you really have none? Like, they're the established team there. If they don't win 11 games, they're going to really regret giving him that money this year. Yeah, they can't give him this money, I don't think, now. Now that he said, no, he doesn't want to play for that money, either keep the franchise tag on him and let him go out there and play one year, and then you can try to negotiate. And if you feel like he showed up this year and they go win a Super Bowl or something, then give him the money. But... I think the Cowboys can go in a more financially stable direction with another quarterback, um, i.e. Andy Dalton or Cam Newton. Cam Newton's not going to get that type of money. So, you know, do they do that and try to improve the defense that's been their Achilles heel the last few years and, you know, continue to ride with these skilled players on paper that really haven't showed up as much as they thought they would? And I think you make a great point with the offensive line. I'd be tough to find a top 15 quarterback in the league who, if you gave them an an all-pro offensive line like the Cowboys have, where they wouldn't be successful. I think you can make the case that Prescott's underachieved with the skill players he has around him in Ezekiel Elliott, in Amari Cooper, in that offensive line. Um, You know, and for them to, for them to give him that type type of money, I think is just not responsible. And let's be honest with something, okay? Mike McCarthy's the new head coach with the with the with the with the Packers. Yeah. I think coaching Aaron Rodgers for as long as he did makes him look a lot better than maybe he actually is. And I think he has a lot to prove this year. Yeah. Um, because things aren't as easy coaching football when you don't have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I think 
He's got a lot to prove. And I just think that the Cowboys, like you said, if they don't come out and win this division this year and do it in a way that you know shows teams that they're the top dog in the NFC East and one of the contenders to go to the Super Bowl, there's no way you can pay him. There's just no way. Let him go get paid somewhere else and let a team uh, take the risk with him. And frankly, if he goes to another team without as good of an offensive line as the Cowboys, I don't think you're going to see the type of production he's getting now, which I don't think is worth the money. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Do you think there's any chance they trade him before the year for picks and give the and say, here you go, Andy, show what you got for a year? I I think a lot of it's going to depend on training camp. Does he report without a deal? And secondly, what's his relationship with Mike McCarthy going to be? Yeah. Because whose side of this is, is, is Mike McCarthy on? Yes. Did he take this job to work with Dak Prescott? Or did he take this job because he likes Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, what they bring? And because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, the, the Cowboys are a brand name who haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995. Yeah. You know, this is this was like, it's like a situation where the Yankees didn't win a World Series from 78 to 96. Like, you aren't one of these teams that shouldn't be winning championships or at least being in the playoffs consistently every year and going to the World Series yeah. when you're one of these these logos, you know, as we say. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you make a good point. Where, Why did McCarthy go there? Was it for Dak? Was it yeah. because he wanted to work with a guy like Jerry Jones who does spend money? Jerry has never not spent money. And Jerry is very loyal. For as crazy as we make him out to be, and we joke about him on this show and in the blogs, Jerry is very loyal uh, to his guys. I mean, look at how long he strung along Jason Garrett and tried to keep him on on, on board there when people were calling for Garrett's head for five straight seasons, and Jerry was like, no, that's my guy. Like, that's who I'm rolling with. And he got Jason Garrett that cushy job on Wade Phillips' staff before he nixed Wade Phillips. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. I think... I think you make a good point with the training camp. If he doesn't show up to training camp and doesn't report, how can you how can you put your step forward? How can you put a foot forward without your quarterback being there? Yeah. How is that possible? You got to let Andy Dalton start taking first team reps. And if you have a feeling that this relationship is so severed that he's not going to come back because he's just going to stick it to you, yeah. Now's the time to trade him, get some picks, and send him somewhere else. Yeah. Because there's no way he's got a no trade, right? I mean, he's still under this rookie deal. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can get at least one first rounder for Dak Prescott. Yeah, somebody will give up a first rounder for Dak Prescott. If it's, sure. If it's New England, or if it's the Chargers, or the Bears, because Bisky and Foles might both stink, and you might have to roll with Dak Prescott. I don't think anything's settled in Chicago. You Cam can Newton on the Bears, they are a playoff team tomorrow. Yeah. We've said that on the show. Yeah. So we'll... Both those guys stink. Yeah. You know, he could go to Miami. Maybe two is not ready and they like Dak to go there and he'll be backed up by Fitzpatrick on two, until two is healthy. You know, anything, any play... There are a lot of places that could use Dak Prescott. I don't know how many people can use Dak Prescott for $35 million. No. But I think you make a good point. With the Patriots, I think that would be a great landing spot for him, right? You go yeah. play with a defensive genius. You go play with a good defense in the AFC East. If, you, if I told you tomorrow that Dak Prescott was on the Patriots, would they be the favorite to win the AFC East? Yes. 
I think it, uh, yeah, I think I would put them ahead of the Bills, and I like the Bills a lot. I, I have the Bills as a sleeper Super Bowl team. Yeah. But I think with Prescott there, with a guy like Bill Belichick, I think that makes a world of difference. Um, but here's the thing: he's not going to go there because they're not going to pay him. So even yeah. if they trade him, I mean, they could trade him there, but he's not going to resign there for what they want to pay him. So that's why I think it would have to be a sign and trade type yeah. of situation. We see that more commonly in baseball, but I think that would be the way it, ha- it would it would have to go. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, anything else, Mike, to say to the people before we wrap it up? Salon. All right, let me give you guys one more ad read. This show was brought to you by Procrastination Sports and Shane McHugh Visuals. Shane McHugh Visuals is a full-service freelance video and photo production house that can suit all your visually creative needs, whether you're looking to capture a special event, promote your business, or showcase your property. SMV has you covered. You can find them online at ShaneMcHughVisuals.com or on Instagram at ShaneMcHughVisuals, S-H-A-N-E-M-C-H-U-G-H Visuals. ShaneMcHughVisuals.com or on Instagram at ShaneMcHughVisuals. Go check out the blog, our blog, Procrastination Sports at ProcrastinationSports.com. Uh, check out our YouTube page, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. We got the blog. We are still rolling there. Yep. Uh, sports, looking to be on the way back. Uh, for, Mar- for Mulraney and I, thank you for tuning in. Another great edition of The Corner Booth. We'll be back next week with episode 20, a, a milestone. C- a celebration. Episode 20. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Love you. Thank it. you.